Think of your life as sort of like a dresser and each drawer is like a different category. So maybe one's like family, one's romantic life, one's work, one's personal passion and hobby or whatever. And at different times, you basically like have different drawers open and different drawers closed. That doesn't mean that like the drawers are going away, right? <laughs> if your personal, if your like romantic one is closed and your like work one is open, it's like it just means for now. Welcome to the Mindful Gym Podcast, where we help you to not decide what's really important whilst chasing your dreams. Today's guest is Ashley Simon. She's the director of creator marketing at Medium. She's in charge of the strategy for several hundred thousand writers on the massive online writing platform. Over her career, she's worked at MTV, Foursquare, and Upworthy before spending some time as an independent marketing consultant. On top of all of this, she's a qualified yoga instructor and mother of one and soon to be two children. She has some really great analogies throughout this interview, and I'm sure you're gonna love it. Pay particular attention to the dresser story. And I think many people can relate. Enjoy listening. Welcome, Ashley. It's great to have you on. Thanks for having me. And it's been really busy for you recently, so I really appreciate you coming on. Is it slowing down now? Is it a bit more relaxing? Yeah, it's it's. We we had a, a bunch of really big launches at Medium on the creator side, so it was a really busy summer. But but we're yeah, it's definitely slowing down a little bit. I've had a chance to like take a couple of days of vacation, so um, tell so, yeah, I'm feeling. I'm glad we're doing this. <laughs> mindfulness chat now and not two weeks ago because I don't know how mindful I would have been though perhaps that would have been instructive in and of itself it's just like do a mindfulness podcast at the your your peak insanity at work (laughs) but this is like one of the things I want to talk like I'm I'm I think is very interesting is when I think about you would ask me in previous conversations like sort of how I think about balance and I've I've always thought like Balance is not something you necessarily find in a a day to day. Like it's not like, oh, every day has its balance beginning to end, but balance is found over longer periods of time. And you will have these times when your work is taking up a lot more time than personal or personal is taking up more time than work. And I just think that that's like, I just think that's like the rhythm of the world. I think it's a hard thing to fight. And as long as net, it feels pretty balanced. I, I, I think I, I personally feel like I'm in a good place. Yeah, I think of balance in a in a in a in sort of a longer term way than I think like a day to day experience. Yeah. I think one analogy race that I like is where people say life is a marathon where you kind of run at the same pace the entire time. And I don't think it's like that at all. I think it's more like you have a sprint, you take a rest, you have another sprint, you take a rest, and that kind of makes my life a bit more interesting, right? Because you wouldn't want to live life at the same pace the entire time. You have some periods that are fast, some periods are slow, and you just find that balance in that way. And I always think too, I think that's right. And I always think of my life as like, I once had this therapist that had this great analogy that was like, think of your life as sort of like a dresser and each drawer is like a different category. So maybe one's like family, one's romantic life, one's work, one's personal passion and hobby or whatever. And at different times, you basically like have different drawers open and different drawers closed. That doesn't mean that like the drawers are going away, right? (laughs) If your personal, if your like romantic one is closed and your like work one is open, it's like, it just means for now, 
for in this period, you're putting a lot more energy into work than you are into your romantic life. And at another time, you can choose to change that, that ratio, hopefully. Um, but, but, you know, most of us or many of us are lucky enough to have some degree of choice over when we're pushing into different areas of our life and, and when we're kind of taking a step back and being okay with it. And so I try to think of it that way because I used to freak out a lot. Like if I, if I wasn't doing everything to max capacity, I was like, I, I was, I was very like fearful that I was like missing opportunities essentially. And you know, with back when I was like dating and stuff, it was like, oh, I have to be like working really hard and dating and staying healthy and working out all the time and being a good sister and daughter and friend. And it was just like such an impossible standard to hold myself to. And so the drawer analogy was helpful to me. (laughs) Maybe it'll be helpful to somebody else, which is just, you know, sometimes you're like, I'm closing this drawer for now. I will come back to it. Not going anywhere. I will come back to it. (laughs) And it must be way easier now that you're not dating and you've got a toddler instead, because obviously that's great for balance. No, oh, it's very easy to be a working mother. Yeah, so simple. My life feels so much more simplified. Yeah. Working <laughs> for Medium, obviously you see so much advice all the time. And it's the same thing with me, right, with the editorship. Is there any advice that you see quite often that you really disagree with? And what do you suggest instead? It's such a good question. I really like this question. So there's a lot of advice I disagree with. Um, One of the pieces, I don't know how much I see this on Medium. I I see it sometimes, but I heard this advice a lot and early in my career, and I really disagree with it, which is this sort of attitude of just do you, just look out for yourself, and, and said in a sort of like casual and glib way. And I think the underlying... I think that there's some truth when it comes to work that you do have to take care of yourself and your own interests and, and you should always, you should be doing that. But I think the idea of like always putting yourself first and thinking of yourself as independent from the team that you work on or the people that you work with is unhealthy. I think approaching approaching life as, as and especially approaching work in a way where you think of yourself as just this individual node not connected to all these other pieces is not only like damaging from a relationship build, building standpoint but I think it's damaging for the work product I personally think there's just a lot of value in thinking of yourself as part of a team treating other people with respect getting to know their strengths, stepping in to help them out when, when you need to. And like thinking of, of yourself as part of a collective. I also think if you can like transition to that mindset, it takes pressure. It can take pressure off of you to do everything yourself and to be perfect because there, there are, you know, the upside of I freelanced for a long time and now I'm back in, you know, sort of more traditional work environment the real upside of it is you have all these people with all this experience and expertise that you can call upon to, to help you when you don't have the answers or when you are overwhelmed with other things. And, and I think it's a real mistake to, to not take advantage of that and to not, to not recognize that 
there's a lot of richness in the people around you. And, and so, so that's like one piece of advice. I, I would say like, I'll always take care of yourself and, and, and look out for your own, your own interests, of course. But like the, when you're at work, particularly if you're in a team environment, focus on the relationships, focus on the people, think of it, think of yourself, like go in every day thinking of your work as a team effort. And it, it, I, I like, I promise it, people feel that in their interactions with you because they feel like you're you're listening and you're you're there to help everybody do well you will feel better <laughs> cuz you won't feel so alone and like the weight of the world is on your shoulders because it's not yeah and i think Raise that point is where this whole idea that everybody's kind of seeking their own achievements and their own goals. But if you look back at different societies, so say like Okinawa in Japan or in Italy and places where the kind of the family and the friends units are really strong, people are way happier. They might not have as much individually, but because they get to share their lives with people, and it's the same thing at work. And they live longer. They live longer, exactly. The other piece of advice that I don't, I don't know if this is advice, but this is like one of those things that is said a lot in the tech community that I've never loved, which is like move fast and break things. I don't like mine. I think you should, you should absolutely like move, move and ship pretty quickly when you're at a startup. So that doesn't bother me as like a functional an operational way to to work. What bothers me is the like philosophy that's come out of that, which is like the only valuable work is new work. You should be innovating at all costs. As we've seen, that's not worked out like super well for society. You know, there are obviously like been some pretty pretty severe drawbacks of just moving forward blindly with the best and next innovation, the breaking things piece. Like sometimes you don't, you really shouldn't break something. <laughs> like, like sometimes it's key to the social fabric of society and it probably shouldn't be broken. So there's, there's a lack of like thoughtfulness in that statement or that I would say like in that philosophy that I really, I find really worrisome and not healthy. That's so that's it. I do see that a lot on medium. I do that see that like sort of it's it's almost like a very ag- aggressive tech neo capitalist move really fast. And like, if someone's in your way, bowl them over. And a lot of people, frankly, a lot of like heroes, at least in the United States, like people who have been lionized, have that kind of worldview. And it may be work for some in some circumstances, but I don't think it should be like the universal worldview that we all embrace. I think there's just like far too many downsides. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's at all thoughtful enough. And I don't always think it's the smart approach. Sometimes I like to think of work into in two buckets. And I'll think, do we need to nurture existing things about medium, like existing products, existing processes, existing writers and readers? Like, do we actually is the work in nurturing what we have and making it making it better, even if that's incrementally over time? Is that where the work and concentration should be right now? Or should we be in a more exploration pushing envelope phase where we are launching new things and maybe breaking some stuff, but there's a good reason for it? And I think that's a conversation you should have at the very beginning of any strategy is where, what's the right thing to do and strategically what's the right thing to do, but, but also like 
What's the right thing for your company to do in the world at that moment? And it doesn't always have to be like one or the other. I don't mean to say that there's a trade-off, but I do think it's healthy to lean in one direction for at least a couple quarters and then lean in another direction. And that nurturing piece, which like, God forbid you ever use the word nurture in a business environment, but like, I don't think it's, it's valued nearly as much as it should be. Yeah. I think there's a few startups coming through now. So there's one in the UK called Octopus Energy. And the whole thing is about having the best customer service of any energy provider. And they don't have a HR department. So they're a unicorn, they're worth billions. But the whole thing is about how do we hire people and then trust them and give the responsibilities saying, look, we've hired you, we know you're good. Like, we'll, we'll kind of keep an eye on you a bit, but we trust you, like, do what you can. And the kind of collaborative aspect of we're all working towards the same thing of we want to be the best energy provider in terms of keeping customers happy by providing the right kind of service. And some of those companies are taking that different approach of like, instead of like, how do we innovate? How do we create amazing new things? It's about how do we have those really strong relationships? And some of those companies are doing really well because of that. Totally. I mean, it's a strategy, right? You can say, do I want to create something? Do I want to create something brand new that creates a new market or creates a new product? Or do, do I think there's existing products and markets that, that just frankly aren't great and, and, and I can make the customer experience better. I can make the product itself better. Um, I think both of those are really interesting to think about. And I just don't, I feel the conversation is not often enough about how do we nurture, how do we nurture and make better the existing things in our society that are actually super worthwhile and we need to have, and we need to make better. And instead it can really veer towards this sort of, you know, worshiping at the, at the altar of, of innovation and change at all costs. And I think that's shifting a bit. I do think like with, everything that's gone on with Facebook and social media. I think there's some shifting in that attitude, but I still find it to be the predominant attitude. Hi, everyone. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. I want to take a quick break to ask you to check in on yourself. There's many people struggling with balance, and there's nothing to be ashamed about. The tips that my guests and I share can hopefully help you along the way. But if you already feel overwhelmed or burnt out, it's probably best that you ask somebody for help too. For some, this might be a friend or family member, others might feel like they have nobody they can talk to. If you're one of these people, check out the link in the show notes. It's for United for Global Mental Health. They've got helplines all across the world with people willing to listen on the other side. It's important to let somebody know how you're feeling. Now, back to the show. You mentioned yourself how, like in the past, or even in the last couple of weeks, you've had this very moving fast and kind of extreme levels of work almost. Did you have a particular point in the past where it was like a breaking point where I guess because you follow the same kind of idols that you're talking about now where working at all costs, did you ever have a point in the past where you really struggled to dial it back in again and maybe close the work drawer a little bit? Yeah. Oh, of course. And I still do. I still do all the time, all the time. I think I'm a lot better at, at doing it, but I, but I, but I still do. I haven't, I haven't found the secret, the secret sauce. Um, I think there have been times in the past where I have, convinced myself that 
one, my, my whole value is tied to my work product, which is as a person, my whole value is tied to my work product, which is not healthy. And I think I've, I've, I've done a lot of work to really move away from, from that. And I don't feel that way on a regular basis, but there's of course still times where like, I'm still an ambitious person. Right. And so there are definite times where I think, oh, I need to do X, Y, and Z to prove that I'm the best in this job or that I'm, you know, I, I, I absolutely still have those thoughts that linger up. I think I'm just better at moderating them internally and doubting them and sort of saying like, you know what, I don't, is that something I actually, it's so crazy to think about this, but it wasn't until my like late twenties that I realized that like, I don't have to believe all my thoughts. <laughs> like it's, it, it's like sad that it took me that long. So now I'll have those thoughts and I'll be like, Oh, is that true? You know, like, um, just cause it's coming from me doesn't mean it's true. And I don't think I ever knew that before. <laughs> I would just, everything that was coming in, I would take as truth. Right. And it was very overwhelming. So it was like, Oh, uh, you're not working hard enough. Um, you're never going to be successful. And I was like, that's true. And I just would like it, absorb that and keep on moving. Now I'm better at, at here that stuff comes in through my own head. And I'm like, is, wait, hold on. Is that true? Like, do I believe that? How do I want to deal with this feeling, emotion, thought? And so that's been the biggest change for me over the last really like decade is being able to do that on a more regular basis, as opposed to my twenties and before that, which was just full of me just being like totally controlled by like my amygdala and, and frankly, a lot of thoughts that were my own thoughts that weren't really right. They were things I was absorbing from my workspace or my parents or society at large and um, whatever the case may be my own bullshit. And I was just sort of just not ever questioning and stopping and just like absorbing it all and moving and moving. And and that I don't, that I, I, I really rarely do anymore. And it has made me a much happier person. <laughs> I think is there's something which like a Buddhist philosophy about the first and second dart. So the first dart is where you just react. Like that's your human reaction. Like as an animal, it's the like lizard brain, whatever it is, you see something scary, you feel scared. You see something that makes you angry, you feel angry. But the second die is how you react to that feeling. And I think that's what you're kind of getting a lot better now at dealing with is that, okay, I feel this way. Should I be feeling this way? Is this the right thing? Because if you just accept I should be angry or I should be upset at myself, I should feel shame, you're missing a chance there because that's your chance to pause and be like, actually, no, I can choose not to feel this way. I have the power to stop that. Right. Or it's okay to feel this way too. Sometimes it's like, it's like, oh, I feel really overwhelmed. Maybe that's because I just have a lot going on and it's okay to just, as opposed to having to fix it or um, give it a, give it like, like grasp onto it really hard. Sometimes I'm just like, you know, I'm just overwhelmed because, because anyone would be overwhelmed in my circumstance. And then, then you can move, I think more fast, quickly in a, a state of compassion for that emotion as you know, like, it's like, okay, it's totally reasonable that I feel this way and I'm not going to feel this way forever. But of course, you know, of course I do. Of course I do. And I don't, I, again, it's, so sometimes it's, it's, I think that's that pause period is a period for me to be like, do I even believe what I'm telling myself or what's going on? Or is this an emotion that I want to claim? Or I think is real 
And then if I decide, yes, it is, then instead of being like, you're, I have to fix it, or I'm a bad person, or I'm a weak person, I, I, and I try to just move much quicker into compassion and say, oh, it's really reasonable to feel this way. Of course you feel this way. It's okay. And then I'll usually tell someone I feel that way, which I also used to not do, like a close friend or my husband, or maybe even sometimes someone at work, I'll just be like, oh, it's, you know, I'm having a hard time. I don't need you to fix it, but I just need to tell someone that I care about that, like, I'm having a hard time and, and, and that's where I'm at. And sometimes that's, that makes me feel so much better to just tell someone. <laughs> I think that helps so much the shame side, isn't it? It's when you feel overwhelmed, but you don't tell people because you feel like you're going to be judged or embarrassed or like that. Whereas when you tell people and they want to help you or they, they're compassionate about it, it just makes you realize, actually, I don't need to be ashamed about this because sometimes like you said you can be your own worst enemy in terms of you have beliefs. But somebody else from the external perspective will be like, no, that belief is rubbish. Like, you shouldn't feel that way. Everything's going to be okay. You're not a failure. You're not whatever you start telling yourself. But sometimes it's hard to do that to yourself and sometimes objective perspective really helps. I'm, I'm a big fan of having really close friendships in your life where you've created, you've both created the space to just, to just be vulnerable <laughs> and just be like, oh, I don't need you to fix this, but you know, really been really important for me as like a, a, a newish mom. Like I have a two year old, like sometimes I just need to talk to another parent who also has a little kid and be like, I'm so tired. <laughs> you know, I don't need, to, I don't want to change anything about my life. I'm not complaining about my life. It's just, it's just like, it's just like, Oh, I'm tired. Like, man, you know, you just kind of need to, 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 to get it out and talk to someone who understands what that's like. Do you think you're, you're starting to find the right balance now because you are pulling back from some of the overwork, I guess? Or is there, like, if you could kind of make your ideal lifestyle, what would that look like in terms of the balance between work and home life? I actually think I have a pretty good balance between work and home life, even when I'm in heavy sprint mode. Like, obviously, it is better when I'm not... I When I have more headspace to put into, like, my family and my relationship with my husband, like, you know, that there are times when, when I just, I have more time and, and there's, there's more quote unquote balance there. But I will say I try to set fairly clear boundaries that are rules. I just try to not break so that even it doesn't matter if it's really busy at work or not. It's just like, so for example, like when my daughter comes home, I like, spend time with her, play with her. My husband and I give her a bath and we read her books before she goes to sleep. 95% of the time I will stick to that rule. Like it would have to be something that was really, really important for me to say, oh, I'm not I'm not going to do that tonight. I'm going to work instead. Setting some like really clear boundaries around when the things that work absolutely will not disrupt for you is important. I think both for yourself and just for your relationship with your employer or your boss or whatever. It's like, this is, I'm not going to be working during these times. Um, so I, I'm like, even when, even this last like three or four months where I've been crazy busy, like I always still do like bath time and read to, to, you know, and do, do all of those things. They're super important to me and you never get that time back. What's one mindset shift that you think the people listening right now could make in their lives that make a positive difference for them? What is one thing I could let go of right now? What is like one thing I'm 
gripping onto really hard psychologically, emotionally, whatever that I could just like let go of and give a little space to. I I've always found for myself, there's, there's at least one thing that, that, you know what, like I can, it doesn't have to be solved right now. I don't, it's not going to be perfect. And so that's become kind of a practice for me is, is doing that every couple of weeks and just being like, what am I like grasping onto really hard? That's not necessary. It's not helpful. It's, it's not time sensitive and all, and, and, and yet, and yet I'm allowing it to take up a lot of headspace and stress and et cetera. And it's like, no, like, let's put this, can I put this aside? So that's a practice that's been really helpful for me. I don't know if it, I, I don't, hopefully it'll be helpful for other people too. One of the things I have now is because I have all these different threads of my business or whatever it is I do. I'm still not exactly sure what I call myself. Still working on that. And in within one day, I'll have like 10 different tasks in 10 different areas to do. And sometimes I'm just choosing like, maybe I don't have to write an article today. That's just a self-imposed deadline I put myself. Like you said, like questioning some of those beliefs that you have about it. Where it's like, I need to do this. Like, do I actually, or I just randomly pick today is the day I need to do it. Totally. Um, or like, do I need to do this right now? You know, like, yeah. what could I, I was talking to a friend the other day who, who is taking time off. I'm relaxing, but I'm also, it's hard to relax because I'm, I'm, st- I, I'm kind of looking, think I want to do a lot of thinking about what I'm going to do next and have networking conversations and da, 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 da. And I, I just said to her, like, you know, financially, do you need a new job in the next like two to three months? And she was like, no, actually I don't really need to get started again for another six or seven months. And I was just like, what if for the next two months, you just focused on like one thing that could be relaxing, that could be pursuing a hobby, but you just like took all the work stuff and you said, I'm going to let go of it for now. I will revisit it in three months or whatever the case may be, but I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to stress out about it. It's not that I'm I'm never going to deal with it. It's just, it's just, I don't need to right now. Like why do that right now? And, um, and I think we have this, sometimes like we, like, because we focus on so many things at once, we can take, really take the joy out of everything by trying to do all of the things. One thing I did though, when I left my job, so it's been about two months now, the first week off, I had a trip planned to Lisbon. And beforehand I was thinking, okay, I'm going to use that week to think about the long term and, like sit on the beach and think about things. And then I didn't think about work at all, all the business, or I just completed the week off. And that was so much better for me because you don't need to use your relaxing time productively, which is what I was telling myself I was going to do. It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to sit on the beach. I'm going to think about like... Or or a different way to think about it. Relaxing is productive. Yeah, exactly. And you need relaxing. Like that's, I needed that week off to just recover, to not even get myself in the right frame of mind to just feel refreshed so that when they came back, I could get myself in the right frame of mind. That pause is sometimes so important that people think, well, I guess for me, there's a kind of anxiety around leaving a job after seven years and not having, like needing to kind of prove myself straight away when it really doesn't matter. And it's what I'm realizing now is that I'm spending so much more time socially and meeting my friends and making new friends. And that's way more enjoyable for me than if I was to try and push myself really hard to make as much profit as I possibly could because sure those numbers might look good but what does it matter like I don't need to just for my own ego for my own insecurity I'd need to work that hard me 
kind of the whole point of things of me, what I'm doing now is that I don't need to work that hard. I can really pick my battles and then do things like this, which the podcast isn't earning money, but it's fun. And I get to talk to people like you and it's enjoyable, right? That's what life is about for me. I was reading something the other day about how millennials like don't have hobbies. Like the, like we're the first generation to like not in a while to like not really have hobbies. And it made me really sad. And one of the things that this article said was like, part of the reason we don't have like quote unquote hobbies is that every hobby we have, we turn into a side hustle. We would never describe something as a hobby because, and it's not a hobby because we're actually trying to monetize it or leverage it towards our careers. And so there's just so so few people in our generation who have something they do just for the fun of it. And it, and it super bummed me out. Like, and I'm very, I, in past, in past lives, I'm, I'm very guilty of doing exactly this thing. But for example, like one thing I really like is photography. And it was interesting when I was, I was in a period where I was just shooting a lot, a lot more. I had more time and I was posting more and I had a, the number one reaction from people in my social circle was, oh, are you going to start charging for this and doing this professionally? Like, what's your plan with photography? And I was like, there is no plan. <laughs> the, like, I just, I'm do, I do it because I enjoy it. And that's like, that's the beginning, middle and end. And it's just so interesting that everyone's response was sort of like, oh, you're getting really good. How are you going to monetize this? Or like, how are you going to leverage this? And I think that's actually a relatively new phenomenon. The, the example I always use for this is, so when I went, when I was in, like, I was doing karate a lot before and it's like national squad and all that kind of stuff. And I went out to Japan to train there with like the birthplace of karate, where I was training with the people who are literally the best people in the world. I've been training for 50 years, 60 years with their entire lives. They charged me 20 pound for a month of classes. Because for them, all that money was, was to pay for like the upkeep of the dojo. They didn't want any money for themselves. This was a hobby for them. Even though they're the best in the world, they could charge people £100 or $100 per hour for classes. They could do all this private stuff. They didn't want to because they said, as soon as we start charging for it, we poison it for ourselves. We stop doing it for the sheer love of it changes what we're doing. the whole thing. Then it's a business yeah. and then it's... Do you yeah. need employees and how much profit are you? Tra- it changes the whole dynamic yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. It was like they'd be doing normal day jobs. One was a postman, one was a policeman. Right. And right. In the evening, they'd come and train and teach people because that was what they loved to do. It wasn't because, oh, we need to do this so we can quit our jobs or so we can escape the nine to five. That was just their life and they loved it. That's That's, that's really awesome. That's great. And I do a lot of yoga and you find a lot of people like that in the yoga community too. It's like, they're amazingly skilled and sometimes they teach or whatever, but like, it's just, they just do it because they love it and they don't, it doesn't need to be a business, right? Along those lines then. So what's one small thing recently that's brought you joy? This is like a cheesy mom answer, but I don't really care. I have a two-year-old and she truly does like bring me joy on a daily basis, like largely through just the random stuff she says, because she doesn't make any sense. She's been saying a lot, like her opinions on whether or not she thinks something is, 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 is nice or not, or not nice. So the other day (laughs) I got her out of her crib and she goes, Oh, mommy, nice face. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, thank you. Thank you. I thank you for the compliment. She's really, and then uh, last week we went to my parents' house 
in Michigan, which she hasn't been to since she was a baby. And she walked in the house and she said, oh, nice house. Very nice house. <laughs> the stamp of approval. Is that just the stamp of approval. The it's just like so silly coming from such a tiny person. And it just gives me the giggles every, every time. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I'd love it if you could leave me a five-star review. It really helps to get the message out further. Wherever you're listening, it would be awesome if you could subscribe and to share on your social media channels. If you want to see more of my work and advice, you can find all of the links in the show notes. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a lovely day.